to another episode of Speaking Literally, where books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. And I'm Liz. And it's Book Club Week. Yay! And this is a book that we've been dying to talk about. It really is. I mean, this one, like, we read it, we, we both read it about two months ago now? I I think I I think I finished it right at the end of June. Yeah, I think I read it at the beginning of June or even the end of May. I read it just before you, and I was like, "Oh my god, Holly, you need to read this book." <laughs> um, it was so because good. it was like it's been everywhere on BookTok, on Bookstagram. It was literally you can't get a, like you could could not go through posts without seeing it at least 10 times so it, it's like one of those I was like very excited instant bestsellers like for for whatever yeah. reason this book hit the shelves and it flew off the shelves like i yeah. went to three different bookstores trying to buy a copy of it and i couldn't because they were sold out <laughs> so i had to order it from yeah. you know i ordered it from amazon but it was sold out on amazon and it took two weeks for me to get to get it so i did the audio until I got the book, because I'm like, I can't wait. I'm not gonna wait to read it. It's crazy, isn't it? It's oh, it crazy. So I mean, good. you know, it's a good book when, yeah, when you struggle that much. I was lucky that I think I got the last copy of it in my local um, Waterstones. But again, I looked on on Amazon, and it was a few weeks wait because it was out of, on Amazon as well for us. So, yeah, I am very excited to to welcome back our girls to mm-hmm. to talk about the book um, yeah. in in a bit. Uh, but first, let's get on with our, our usual podcast news. Well, our kind of topic for today, um, Texas is back at it. We know that Texas has always been um, – Texas and Florida seem to be the two states in the United States that tend to really be super conservative and want to push censorship and book banning. and. Yeah. It, they're just at it again. So they just recently passed House Bill 900, which is set to take effect September 1st. And what it does is here. I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to read this little paragraph um, mm-hmm. from um, uh, Shelf Awareness has this has an article up. So this is an overview from that article. It says under the law, all companies selling to school libraries librarians and teachers in texas have to assign ratings to books concerning their sexual content titles required for curricula are exempt from this law so books that are part of like state approved curriculum don't have to they don't have to go through this okay so i'm assuming books like you know the crucible lord of the flies 1984 you know all those books that we traditionally read in school probably are probably are exempt from this um but then it goes on to say a book deemed sexually explicit will be banned like they're actually using the word banned so sexually sexually explicit will be banned and a book deemed sexually relevant will have restricted access. Now, here's the interesting thing about ones that are going to be rated sexually relevant. It says the sexually relevant rating um, covers all non-explicit references, so like induendos, those kinds of things, um, in any context to sexual relations and therefore could apply broadly to health-related works religious texts, historical works, encyclopedias, dictionaries, and many other works. Okay, so, I mean, <laughs> that means that the dictionary has been banned then, right? Because the dictionary has, like, 
explicit words with explicit like like you would meanings. think by the by the word of the law anything uh, anything think... that relates to sexual content in any fashion has to be it's, yeah it's well done texas you've done it again <laughs> so <laughs> but here's my it's... here here's the other thing like again they're banning and and in a second we're going to talk about um the, the fight that some people like some organizations and, and things are, are kind of putting out there right now. But in an era where we have the internet and there's so much availability and so many schools, like now I haven't researched every single school district in Texas, um, but I guarantee you there was probably a high number of school districts like high school levels in Texas where all the students are given a computer. They're a one-to-one school. We're a one-to-one school. All of our students have their own Chromebooks and we give them to them. And you know what comes on those Chromebooks? Internet. And we give them Wi-Fi on campus. Our kids can connect to the internet on their computers on campus. Now we do have firewalls and we do have certain things blocked, but these are teenagers who are way more technologically advanced than we are and a lot of them can get around things they're going to be able to access stuff like it's just and library like oh this 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 it's just going to the extreme. I mean, I I was reading a bit about this on LinkedIn. It just randomly came up on my page. And they were saying something stupid like, this means that people that students won't be able to read the entirety of Shakespeare plays because of the sexual content in them. It's like, and I think one of the things, I don't know if you read about this, but there was a um, one of the kind of battles going on right now is in psychology. So at quite a, I think it's college level, um, they were saying that they were trying to ban the book on gender studies, even though it is part of the curriculum. And it's like, okay, you need for for psychology, and it wasn't psychology, it was it was uh, philosophy. Mm. Um, so I mean, in philosophy, you have to talk about gender because yeah. it's philosophy. <laughs> How can you not talk about that? Uh, is yeah, Texas is just going. It's going, getting stupid now. And I know that like there are some things going on, which is kind of the extremist side of the LGBTQ community have mm-hmm. been pushing like pushing too many buttons at times. But this whole banning of books is just going one step too far. And, and it's, it's like, also retroactive. This Texas House bill is also retro retroactive. So that means that uh, it says the law also has a retroactive feature that by next April, all booksellers and other book vendors must submit to the Texas Education Agency a list of every book they've ever sold to a teacher, librarian, or school that that qualifies for a sexual rating and is an active use. Wait, you just said and students. The, the, the books that they sold to students schools teacher teachers librarians and schools sorry if i said students oh, okay yeah <laughs> um, still how how are you gonna say that they've ever sold ever yep it says that they've ever sold to a teacher librarian or school that qualifies for a sexual rating you've got you've got to have a time limit on that yeah 
Otherwise, you're talking for the last 40 years, 50 years. That's, oh, yeah. That's just crazy. They are going too extreme. And also, who are they to say what is sexually explicit and what's suitable for the children? It should be, look, if anything, it's the parents' jobs to yeah. set what is what a child should be reading. Mm-hmm. Not Agreed. some government board. You know, and it's it's interesting because here in Arizona, this like it started last year. There were some House bills here that went through our state legislature uh, that it's not this extreme. Like this is te- what Texas is doing is is just crazy. But we do yeah. now have to um, like if we're using um, depending on the book that we're using in English classrooms, we do have to notify parents. We just put a blurb in that says here is some sensitive content that's going to be covered our biggest issue is our psychology classes we do offer ap psychology on our campus which is a college level um, psychology class and there is a lot of you know there's not like a lot of like sexuality that's included in there but it's psychology and like you just kind of said psychology yeah you've got to have it in the in the course yeah and it's it's a it's a college (laughs) level course they take a college level test to get college level credit, we can't take those things out, but we have to put right. it in there and say, hey, parents, this is what we're covering. If you don't want your kid to cover, you know, to do it for an AP psych class is like, sorry, then you got to change your schedule because we can't take this out of the curriculum yeah. that's required. But what that same kind of like series of house bills does for us is we don't have to do this where we are, we're not like rating books and having to do that, yeah. but we do have to give our parents access to everything that the the kids check out from the library, so they wow yeah so they they have the they have the um the right to that that information so they know what their kids are checking out and then they can put restrictions on what their kids can and cannot check out um, for any age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through the school crazy. library. Yeah, which I guess it's like, wow. but that at least at least that puts it on the parent versus yeah. the state saying it can't be available for anybody. And that's what Texas is saying. Yeah. They're saying this can't be available for anybody. Yeah, which means think about the, the amount of books that, that those kids in Texas um, are going to miss out on, like the Judy Blooms. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be allowed. <laughs> they are very explicit <laughs> times. Um, there are so many good authors that are suitable for teenagers, but – won't be exactly yeah fourth wing oh, yeah, fourth, fourth wing, wing is good, yeah. would, would be labeled and be rated because there there yeah. is a little bit of spice in there um i mean let's face it any fantasy book any Probably fantasy Nash, book Akhtar, um well Je- some uh, of those are, are a little extreme you know like <laughs> i mean to be honest okay, not that i'm saying it should Nash be is like yeah <laughs> and so is akatar like come on like it's not as bad as from Blood and Ash. Come I on. think it is. I think some of the later <laughs> ones in that series, when 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 Feyre and Reese are together, like it's it's pretty I mean, graphic. They are hot and heavy, but I mean they didn't have a threesome. Okay, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a menage a trois. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you there. Um, but yeah, but like you know, but but the thing is, it's like you know, and I think in yeah. in some of the 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 pushback that they're that these organizations are giving and booksellers are kind of pushing back with is because it's like again we're restricting you know first amendment rights like a freedom of speech and that is that's what they're coming down and saying it's like this is this really is unconstitutional because you are preventing 
you're preventing people's first amendment right so so sad and is that so is that for the entirety of the texas state yeah the entire state state law so sad that it's come to this and and the problem is that i wonder because this is also comes into the whole gender doesn't it this comes into it's not just explicit content i'm guessing it's going to be lgbt references oh i'm sure and i'm sure that that could very well be what propelled this law yeah is to try to ban some of those things um but they are fighting to get an injunction a preliminary and then permanent injunction to ban the bill um and so Barnes and Noble has actually joined in on on this petition, but it's it's organizations like um, some organizations in in Texas, like Blue Willow Bookshop in Houston, Book People in Austin. But then you have the American Booksellers Association, the Association of American Publishers, the Authors Guild, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. All of these people have kind of come That's together. Yeah, and is, um, is Pan America also helping again? Um, I don't see them listed, so they they may join. Because they in. Had, they were fighting on the last one, weren't they? Yeah, but then and then also is Barnes and Noble, which I think is like and Waterstone are very similar. I think they're owned yeah, by the same yeah, people. The, so, yeah, I was gonna say I think they're owned by the same. Yeah. So Barnes and Noble, the Freedom to Read Foundation, the Association of University Presses, the American Association of School Libraries, the Freedom to Learn Advocates, they have all filed together. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming this is Latin, um, the name of this brief, but it's like Amiki Korea. I don't know. It's something. <laughs> um, it's a brief, but it's it's going against yeah. this this Texas sexual rating law, and they're motioning for a preliminary injunction um, against the House bill. Um, that's you know in order to kind of basically fight against it, um, claiming it's unconstitutional. So it's due to go into effect September first, but there's now been this this you know, push for the injunction. So who knows exactly if it's going to go into effect in like two weeks or if it's going to be delayed. Yeah. Um, but it's just so sad that, that, that we could, we're kind of regressing in, in society in some states. And yeah. just think about the, like, think about the books in your school library right now and think about how many would be removed under that bill. Absolutely. It would be at least half, I would say, I'd, like from knowing what's in kind of what's in books, especially when you come to the YA section of the libraries. YA, the only genre that really doesn't have essentially explicit material is the thrillers. And even then, some of them do. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think YA will struggle big time to remain in libraries. Yeah, and like, and, and, and here's the thing, like, you know, you have the sexually explicit, that makes sense. We, we know what sexually explicit is. But the sexually relevant, if they're talking about, you know, it impacting encyclopedias and dictionaries, if someone basically has just like a scene where people are kissing, is that now sexually yeah. relevant? No, yeah, exactly. What yeah? What is sexually relevant? Do we are we talking about the act of sex or are we talking about um, orientation? 
It just says any non-explicit references in any context to sexual relations. So they could be talking about it. They could just... And in that I'm, case, they're being reviewed, aren't they? And they're being limited mm-hmm. for, that, for that topic. Yeah, and so they will be, those would be, um, have restricted mm-hmm. access to, whereas the ones that have sexually explicit books will be banned. So that means that you wouldn't find Fourth Wing Mm-mm. on a school, in a, in a school. That's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, so stupid. It's so stupid. The way it, because I mean, look, if the kids want to read the books, they'll just go and read, they'll buy it from Amazon, they'll go into their bookshop. You're not going to stop them from reading just because they can't read it in their library. Right. And, and what's sad is like a parent who can't, you know, can't afford to buy the book or they live in a very rural area where there's not a local library. Yeah. They rely on school libraries for access to books. And so now as a, like if, if, if I was that parent and I lived in one of those communities and I didn't have access to a public library and I didn't have funds to purchase a book, I would, I would allow my kids to read. I, I let my kids read whatever they want to read. But now because of my personal conditions, I, my kid is now unable to because I would need my kid to rely on a school library to access books that they want to read. And now yeah. I can't do that. And it just, it, it sucks. It's absolutely crazy. I kind of hope that all the, all the books that they have to take out the library that are banned, I hope that they just put them into like the little free libraries. So that the kids can can take them from the free libraries. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: the Texas would never say that. Like the, I don't think the government ever say that. But I I no. would like to think that as like working at a school, if we had to do that, I would. If we had the ability to, because that's the thing. Like also with the the books that are owned by the school, like there's procedures of how you can get rid of them and things like that, and. But I would like to say, you know, screw you, you know, Don't House Bill 900. I'm just going to sit them in a box yeah. outside my school doors or right across the street so they're not on yeah. school property anymore. Yeah, these are, this isn't in my library. These are outside. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, and just make them available. And it just, yeah, it just no, really sucks. And it's just crazy what, what the world is coming, like what? America is coming to with those few states. Yeah, I, I hope they manage to bring in this injunction for for the Texans. And is this so? It's just Texas right now. LA, there's nothing. There's no craziness going on in there. <laughs> no, just right now it's just Texas, and Texas seems to be the one who keeps rocking the boat when it comes to all the the censorship and book banning because they're the ones who really had the the big sink about the LGBTQ. Um, books and and everything and yeah so we'll they're just making waves so we'll, crazy we'll continue to monitor uh, that situation so we shall we should keep you updated yeah <laughs> all right so let's move on um liz what what are you reading so yeah because we've only been like two weeks since I, know. Last <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't actually for once i haven't actually finished a book it's been quite a, a slow month for me i've had a lot going on at work and the book I'm currently reading is um, Assassin's Quest, which is the third book in the Farseer trilogy by Robin Hobb. And it is a chunk. 
it is an absolute brick. I think it's over 800, yeah, over 800 pages. Ugh. So, uh, I'm, I'm still very kind of, I see you look like you're 25% of the way through. <laughs> you so, got a while. Yeah, it's, it is really good. So, um, it's about this, um, he's now a man, but it's about this boy called Fitz who, uh, is one of the king's bastards basically one of the prince's bastards um and he's sent to live in the royal household by his by a stepfather when he's very young because they can't afford to keep him and so he's raised by the the household but not by his actual father because his father doesn't want to see him because he's not really royal blood as such um and it's all about him kind of trying to be different things within the household um he um, learns to be a scribe for a bit and he learns to be an assassin. So it's really interesting. And this is kind of the, this is the third. So this is the final one of the trilogy. Um, and it's, it's just a really nice world. It's a really good world creation. Um, kind of, it's kind of medievally in the feel of it. So it's more kind of fantasy world rather than fantasy world in a realistic era. Mm. Um, and you've got you've got a bit of magic. You've got um you've got this uh, special thing called wit, which is where special people can actually communicate with animals and can actually bond with an animal to become almost like their um oh, what's the name of the like basically like the companion animal. There is a word, but I can't think of it right now. Um, uh, I know what you're thinking. I, I, I can't <laughs> yeah. think of it either. So it basically they become kind of yeah bonded and kind of can't like can't live, can't live with each out each other kind of thing uh so that's really interesting and yeah i'm about 25 percent away free <laughs> other than that um because it's so big i can't read it in the bath <laughs> um so on my kindle i am reading a rom-com i'm actually reading one of um christy barley's uh most recent one it's part of the love heart lane trilogy uh not trilogy series there's like seven or eight so far and i'm just quickly looking at it. it's called a summer surprise at the little blue boathouse just a nice that kind of tennis rom-com yeah and it's set in scotland which for some oh. reason i i'm into like the rom-com set in scotland which is extra mm-hmm. bit of coziness hmm. uh so yeah that is that is what i'm reading right now and hopefully by the time of my next one i will have completed a bit <laughs> <laughs> um holly you have unlike me you have actually finished a book so i what, have. Uh, have you read i've actually finished two it's also been a very very slow Whoa. I know. Like two in two weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure I was reading both of these books two weeks ago. We just talked about a, uh, um, um, a soul of ash and blood last time, but I think I was yes. still, I had already re- started reading these. These, these two books probably <laughs> took me like three weeks to read. Um, okay. but I was buddy reading the London Seance Society by Sarah Penner with our book club buddy, Steph. And I just finished it this past week, and okay, here's the thing. I, I am not a huge historical fiction reader. I don't like period pieces. I don't, I don't really care for, for, for that kind of stuff. And I wasn't expecting this to be the way it was. It, it's like set in, in 1873, which in and of itself really wasn't a huge deal um, mm. because the time period really didn't impact much of anything except to set the stage as, you know, back in that time, the the seance and death and ghosts was a huge, like, just cultural thing for people. They were fascinated by it. So it just fit the time period. 
But really, the London Seance Society is just a good old boys men's only club. And it is. It literally is. And so, but the, the main characters are women, so they're trying to infiltrate to see the, the corruption that's in this men's only seance society. And it was just, it just didn't live up to what I wanted it to. It just like the, like, I would say the last three chapters were the best part of the book because there was an actual seance. <laughs> um, I just, I was just, it was just a murder mystery is really all it was, which is fine yeah. again, but it just, it just like, I was expecting more seances. I was expecting more creepiness with like ghosts and like, you know, whatever. It's so it was all right. It just, it just, I didn't like it, but I also read, um, lessons learned, which is uh, coming out on Tuesday. So this drops on Monday. This comes out tomorrow um, by Katie uh, K. Wood. She is this, I believe this is, this is her debut book. She's an indie author. Um, I've been kind of part of her street team since before the book cover reveal, which has been fun. Mm. It's been my first, it's like my first kind of street team kind of Aww. whatever. Um so I read it as an ebook, but I just she just sent me the actual paperback. Yeah. And here's the thing: what color is that, Liz? What color is my book? It's pink. It's pink, and you know I don't have very many pink. I think I may you only have like pinks. one. Yeah, so you I needed another pink book. One says when you wear pink. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So I was super excited. Um, it, it is a super super cute book. It's a rom com. It's a workplace. They're both fifth grade. Te- oh. Yeah, they're they're both fifth grade teachers, and their classrooms are across the hall from each other. So like, it looks like school. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> um. It, and it's just, it's just, it's super cute, their, their relationship. And it's like, you know, it's, it's friends, to, friends to lovers, which I'm not a super big fan of that troop. Um, because I don't like the fact that usually someone gets hurt. Some innocent person gets hurt. Um, but this was really, really well done. I, I ended up okay. really appreciating the other people. Um, yeah. You know that that are potentially involved in relationships as a te- as a former teacher and a current like in a current school administrator i loved the the fact that it was it happened in a school um because there's a lot of stuff and with 10 year old fifth graders it's super cute because you get to see the kids and they're like you know the kids are observant they knew something was between them before they knew something yeah. was between them and just like you know it's just it's just a super cute fun it's it's a pretty quick read um you know, it's a slow burn. Aww. He like it's a he falls first. She's in denial, like all this stuff. <laughs> it's super super cute. It comes out, which would be tomorrow, the twenty second. So check it out. It's 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 a super fun. So those are my books that I finished so far. Ah, well, now you have to go and read the Love Hypothesis because it's such a good book. I know. And it's a school again. You have to read it. Well, I just you yeah, I know. You have it, don't you? I do have it. Um, but exactly. I actually. I actually just started Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, uh, um, which is another workplace. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. both doctors. Um, literally just started. I think I'm only on chapter three or four, mm. but I, I'm already loving it. I love, I love the, the, just the, the, the word choice and the, and the syntax of it. I just, I just, it's like just, I really like it. <laughs> and I like the characters. Okay, Look at you going through a little romance phase. I know, but you know me. After <laughs> after this one, I'll be like, oh, my God, I hate rom-com, and I'm not going to read again for, like, another two months. Well, I mean, the good news is autumn is just around the corner, like two weeks away. 
best seasonable uh, today i actually um so one of our shops is um shutting down or one of our big franchises here and they had some halloween stuff and i bought a jack skellington mug ready for halloween and i also bought um from have, have you heard of the website called sheen or Shine i have sheen? i've actually bought some stuff from them yeah, I did my very first order the other day, and I ordered some really cool, um, hopefully they're arriving this week, really cool uh, Halloween-y cushion covers with, like, a raven on them and, like, Nevermore and, like, loads of, like, p- pumpkins and stuff. So oh. getting all, getting ready for, for awesome because, yeah. yeah, I love the fall season. I know. I – and I need scary books. Here's the thing. If you have, like, know, a scary so book, books don't scare me. Like, they just don't. Like, I have a really hard time being scared by a book. If there is somebody out there who's listening who's like, oh, my God, this book was terrifying, read it. Please let me know because everyone's like, oh, this book is so good. It's so scary. And I read it. I'm like, boring. Um, So I, I'm, a, I'm a – Oh, yeah. No, no yeah. Fall is definitely like a, a thriller and horror mm-hmm. um, yeah. season. So I'm very – I'm looking forward to – to get into my my thrillers and my horrors yeah so i don't know yeah it'll be interesting all right well uh new york times bestseller list guess what amazing news this week amazing news this week there is no coho in the top five now that makes me sound like a horrible person like i wish her all the success in the world but she already has all the success in the world so this is okay exactly. it's just i'm sorry yeah Coho, move aside exactly. move aside and make room for for other for other authors yeah make some room for the little people um i can't remember i don't think that we have ever had a new york bestsellers list that hasn't had coho on top five we did we, because remember we made a bet last fall, and it like took until like November or like end of October. Yeah, wasn't there was... that, but wasn't that just that she hadn't monopolized it? Oh, is that what it was? I think I don't think that we've ever had one where she's been completely mm-hmm. off it. I don't know. Well, she's off it this week. Um, <laughs> so this week coming in at number one um, is Fourth Wing, which we're about to talk about here in just a couple mm-hmm. minutes. Woo-hoo. It's been one or two. Um, it's been moving between one and two for the last couple weeks. Um, Tom mm-hmm. Lake by Anne um, Patchett was number one last week. And so last week it was number one, Tom Lake, number two, Fourth Wing. This week we're flipped back to Fourth Wing and Tom Lake. Um, three through four are all new to the list this week. So number three is Happiness by Daniel Steele. Coming in at number four, None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. I've seen that one on Instagram right now a lot. I've been seeing that one. Yeah. Lisa Jewell is a pretty popular. No, I've been seeing that. Yeah. Um, and number five is one that I actually put into my most anticipated read um, blog post for August releases. And it's the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride comes in at number five. I haven't heard about that one. No, we'll look that one up. Um, and then to wrap up the bestseller list, the number one young um, adult hardback is Solitaire by Alice o- uh, Oseman. This is um, this has been it in the number one book for mm. a while, and then it dropped off for several weeks, and now it's it's back. So that's, that's- because um, season two of Heartstoppers came to Netflix recently. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be why. Yeah, that could definitely be why. Um, yeah. But so... Also, also just to clarify, I was looking yeah. back on our our, our our lists, and yeah, so our bet was on when she would lose her monopoly. 
Okay. So even in the September show, she was still on the top five. So I don't think, I think this is the very first time wow. in over two years she has not been on the top five. Wow. <laughs> Which is just absolutely surreal. It's crazy that it's taken this long. But yeah, crazy. congratulations to all of the new top fives. Yeah. I mean, fourth wing. That's amazing that that, that is still getting this much love. That is 100% deserved. 100%, 100% deserved. So yeah, uh, shall we finish off with the the new and upcoming releases before yeah. we go for a quick break? Yep. Uh, so we've obviously already uh, Holly said about this one, which is Lessons Learned by Katie Carwood. Uh, this comes out on the twenty second of August um, in America, and according to my my sources, it's already out in the UK, except only paperback, not Kindle, which doesn't make sense. But... Yeah, I actually think the the paperback okay. is available now in the US as well. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think the Kindle does also come out 22nd of August, so it's, yeah, very strange. Uh, the one that we are most excited about Woo! is coming out very soon, uh, which is the Brothers Hawthorne. So that's the fourth one in the, um, in the series of the Inheritance Games. Can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Uh, by Jennifer Lynn Barnes and now in the US it comes out on August 28th and the UK only have to wait another three days to the day before my birthday the 31st of August um, and then finally another interesting uh, upcoming release because, just because it is obviously the name is very important mm-hmm. and that is absolutely <laughs> by Stephen King uh, and that is out both in the UK and the US on the 5th of September. Now, depending on how good the book is or how crazy the main character of Holly is, could or could not be based on my life. <laughs> we'll see. We should have to see, won't we? I think because it's part of, um, I think it's actually part of the Mr. Mercedes series I read briefly. Yeah, like uh, the, the character the... is, yeah. Yeah. The previous character. So. So It'll yeah, they are the new and upcoming releases for August. There are a few more, but those are kind of our, our top ones. Yeah. And that's exciting because, you know, these books are coming out. Your birthday's coming up on September 1st. So happy early birthday. Thank you. And it's quite exciting because it always seems to be at least one or two books coming out around my birthday. So last year, um, Babel or Babel, as you said, as some people say it, actually came out on my birthday mm. and so when I went into town I got that on my birthday that was nice that's exciting and then of course this year uh the day before is the brothers Hawthorne so I know. yeah it's, it's exciting it is well all right that kind of wraps up the first part of our show we are super excited we'll be back to do our fourth wing book club discussion uh, just a reminder that we will have spoilers galore like we're gonna spoil every last little intricate thing about this book and there are a little bit of glitter yeah every little bit of (laughs) glitter and there is quite a bit of spoilers to be made there are some twists and yeah so if you haven't read the book really honestly if you haven't finished the book because it does end on a little bit of a cliffhanger um go finish reading the book and then come back and read and finish listening to the podcast unless you're okay with us literally spoiling everything for you (laughs) (laughs) so we will take a quick break yeah and we will be right back all right welcome back so (laughs) 
so yeah, so we're probably going to be a little giggly right now because we just recorded for 20 minutes, but it really wasn't recording. So we now have to kind of go back and just revisit yeah. everything we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, well, okay, so I just, it didn't pause, but what just happened is what I noticed is I hit the, the record button and then I don't move my mouse. And my mouse just kind of hovers over the little record. And it's the, the same button that you would hit to pause. So I think it's just at some point, I just I accidentally hit it. But I moved my mouse, so it shouldn't happen again. But anyways, welcome back from the break. We are joined by Jen and Steph. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. Hi um, so it's good that we actually had a 20-minute um, issue because – Poor Stephanie was up until like one thirty in the morning finishing the book, so she's a little sleepy. But now she's <laughs> she's she's wide awake now. Um, now the caffeine's kicking in. Yeah, the caffeine's kicking in. <laughs> right. Um, uh, just a reminder, though, during the segment we are going to be talking about Fourth Wing and that this this huge international best best selling book that just kind of skyrocketed out of nowhere. And which means we're going to talk about all of it, like every little sparkling, glittery detail and spoiler you can imagine is going to be discussed in this next, <laughs> who knows how long now, um, yeah. time that we're talking. So let's jump into it again. We've already had a practice trial run. So stat, uh, no, Liz, you suggested that we kind of start with the, with the premise. So kind of kind of talk through just like our initial premise of this book. So, yeah, one of the uh, kind of the unique things that I felt about this book was the whole setting of it. I know that it's been done, I think, with um, Poppy War series by R.F. Guang, but it's still quite a, a unique, um, especially for fantasy, in that it's set in a military college. Um, obviously, we've had like our historical fictions and we have different fictions set in universities and schools and you've got the dark academia vibes but to have a a military college and to have those academia vibes in in a fantasy is a lot rarer and I think the way that they did it is so unique um and I just really enjoyed kind of enjoyed the setting which is pretty much kind of the first thing that that we get from the book yeah and with the world building it's it's amazing world building because like sometimes the world building kind of just evolves either through like dialogue and it's evolved through straight narration by the author just to kind of create the, the the setting and provide that word choice but this this military college this war college is set up in four quadrants and yes there's four because quadrant means four um i i debated that before but i understand it now and so you have like um, this particular quadrant that our main character Violet becomes um, a member of, or she's kind of like enrolled into this this quadrant of the school, is separated from the main, I guess what you would call campus, where the other three quadrants are. And in order to get to the Dragon Riders quadrant you have to basically walk across what they what they call a parapet and in my mind i envision this like a balance beam like a gymnastics balance beam that's like you know six or seven inches wide that's across this this tremendously deep cavern that has rushing water and jagged rocks at the bottom where people die because they fall because it's really windy and as she walks across 
this parapet in complete terror in order to calm her down she kind of starts repeating history world history to herself and we have like we're bombarded immediately by this dueling narration almost where we have the action of of the stress of the wind and people dying as they're crossing the parapet and is she gonna make it and all like this guy who wants her dead already is kind of like chasing after but yet in her brain we're getting the world built for us we get to learn yeah. a little bit about the history of of why everything is is, is structured the way it is and, and the world that we're we're now like entering and it's just it's just a cool structural um piece that the author rebecca garros chooses to do and i i love that introduction to the world i imagine the parapet to be like the bridge to hogwarts just without the bridge you know how it's like all really fancy and ornamental and like really up high but you know a foot wide (laughs) i kind of i kind of very windy very windy yeah very windy. It just knock you I, down. I kind of also saw it like in the Lord of the Rings with that narrow kind of, you always saw like the, the narrow bridge. I think it was at the enemy's place. I can't remember where it was, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it came across really badly. Um, the enemy's Lord place. The Rings, I love that. It was like, yeah. I don't remember the name either, but I know exactly what you're saying. Cause I can't remember. I Gandalf, I yeah, I know. Sauron, Sauron. No, uh, not Sauron. The other one. Sauron was the big. big Anybody? <laughs> no clue. I'm not a Lord of the Rings person. No, oh. me neither. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sauron, Sarah, something like that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really liked about that, and I mean, I don't know if I'd say like, but it was so intensely descriptive it was really it's so descriptive especially for that scene that you almost felt like you were there and experiencing a bit of vertigo and it was really off-putting at times because it's like you were standing there you were were like please Violet please just just get over this just get over this because because I don't want to keep reading about this (laughs) yeah I felt like the author wrote all of those intense scenes they she just drew you right in and you were right mm. there even during the Definitely. end that big scene um she just does this excellent job you're just right there holding your breath mm-hmm. definitely and and right mm-hmm. from the start too in that that initial scene not only does she do an excellent job of the world building but by the by the time that violet is on that parapet we already know how horrible her mother is we already know how wonderful her father was who unfortunately is is now dead you know we know how protective her older sister is of her and we already see some of her peers and how they're going to be like we meet jack barlow before violet ever crosses that parapet and we know that he's he's gonna he's gonna kill her like that's his sole mission at that point isn't isn't to be successful in the writer's college or the writer's quadrant it is literally to kill her and then he'll worry about dragon next so it's 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 really cool to get all of that character stuff that baseline of the character information at the beginning as well yeah and it's because of who her parents are or who her mother is that that starts off that way so she has so much against her besides the fact that she's what five feet tall (laughs) yeah 
And she she's never trained for this. She trained to be a scribe and yeah. go to the scribe she's exhausted. Yeah. She's getting exhausted getting to her mom's um, office or wherever she is. You know, she's exhausted. She can't carry her bag. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Could she have portrayed a weaker character for battle and a dragon? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I love that. In, um, it was mentioned earlier, um, but the fact that from the very beginning, the, the odds are stacked against her. Everyone's like, she's going to die. She's going to die. Let's just try to prolong how long it is until she dies because she is just, she, she was trained to be a book nerd. She was only doing this because her mom is the general um, and refuses to have any of her children be anything other than a dragon rider, regardless of their limitations, which in the end, the fact that the mom is refusing to see any of Violet's limitations actually works out in Violet's favor because she begins to overcome her limitations and begins to yeah. learn how how to get the world to accommodate for her and how to make modifications to her world so that she can be what she is like being forced to do and eventually is like, no, everyone doesn't think I can do this. I'm going to prove them all wrong kind of thing. No, it's like it's like being she was pushed out of her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that her father was probably very much the man of the house before he passed away because of the fact that he was training her to be a scribe for his whole for her whole life. And you just thought, OK, if the mother had kind of the most power in the family, she'd have been training her to be a dragon rider from from very young age, like every other dragon rider to be. So I think the father had a lot of kind of a lot of status in the household. Um, Here's go ahead. I I have mixed feelings about that, too, because near the end, I feel like he always knew. Mm -hmm. Yes. He gave her the book. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. He had been grooming her with her intelligence to figure out how to get where they were going to end up. Like he knew that the mom was going to force when her she no figured matter out what. She had the forbidden mm-hmm. book and he'd been feeding her information. It was all, that's what I thought. That's what yep. you thought, Holly? Yeah, exactly. Because oh, it's like. And I might have missed it because I listened to some of it again, you know, on Friday. And I think that's when that really came full circle. Because I don't think the first time that I got that, there was so much happening during the end yeah. that it was a lot to take in. Besides, she's disqualified, in my opinion. If she's only five feet tall, she's got no business even crossing that parapet. So I, I felt like they were all in a lot of trouble, and she was forced into that. Like and I her, think, I think her brother, dad knew. Her, her dad knew her. that the mom was going to force her, as as the general well, and the other two okay. kids. That right? Yeah, coming. Yeah, right, so Stephanie, he, he prepared her. Yeah. I have a deep dive conspiracy theory on this. Okay. okay. So I think based on what we know about the mom, she's clearly the worst. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. She doesn't appear to have affection for anyone. Yeah. I think they probably didn't have a great marriage. I think he knew what she was up to. Yep. I think that's why he intentionally trained Violet to be a scribe and gave her the info she needed. And I think the mom sent her to die because she knew that. Yeah, I, think I don't think the mom cared about having all of her kids be writers. Yeah, I think she wanted good. Violet out of the way. Yeah, when I they like showed his true colors, I was like, they all want to get rid of her. 
Yeah. Because he stands, you know, metaphorically with the mom and whoever else is in charge. He's like, we're going to do whatever we need to do Mm -hmm. to just cover this up. Yeah. But, and I think, yeah, dad knew, dad 100% knew because why would he train her? He knows her limitations. She, and we're going to talk about this in a little while, but she, she does suffer a chronic illness. Um, and I don't know if you guys know because it's never directly mentioned in the book. However, the author has come out and said what the chronic illness is that she suffers because the author suffers it as well. Um, so we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think dad knew what mom was going to do. Mom doesn't care. Mom's like, you're either going to die or you're going to do it. And I don't really care which, which ends up happening. You die, whatever. If you succeed, whatever. Um, but dad knew that with her limitations, she needed the intellect. Because if you think about it, if she didn't have that intellect that her dad gave her, she would never have been able to like, poison everybody before they, they battled. Okay. She, because the only reason she won the, the hand-to-hand combat pieces was because of her <laughs> Every intellect. Time. Every single <laughs> time. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that's all thanks to her dad. And then at the yeah. end, when we see that nothing, like, and that's a, that's the biggest piece of the story is nobody and nothing is as it seems. It's like, you know, right. you exactly. know we yeah. thought Dane yeah. was a good yeah. guy. He is an a-hole. We thought, you know, Zayden was an a-hole. And he's like, oh, my gosh, he's actually a, a pretty Both. Yeah, I didn't really want to say good guy, but he's a little bit of both. But he's not what he appeared. Same thing with the world. The world isn't exactly what we thought. People knew things and weren't saying anything. Yeah. But her dad knew what she was what she was going to be walking into, and he made sure she had the resources and the knowledge to at least stand a chance. Yeah, and that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. That was all Hunger Games, too, with all yeah. the politics and what's really yeah. going on and what's That's this right. one person going to do because she does not have a choice. Mm-mm. She mm-hmm. has to move in a direction, and she has to yeah. figure out everything that's coming at her. Like, she's probably one of the strongest female characters I've ever read because – and the author did a good job pulling that off because yeah. normally I'd say, oh, you know, she's only this, she's only that. But she guides us through with her storytelling and – makes us believe everything that is said mm-hmm. that's good writing oh uh-huh. yeah 100 percent. i think it's the whole brains over brawn isn't it it's because they so she was never going to be the brawn because she was short she's got this chronic illness she was never even if you had trained her to become a dragon rider and maybe like made her a little bit muscly she was never going to be um in competition with the others for for combat and he knew that which, as you say, makes sense why why they she, he would train the brain instead, why he would give her that knowledge and give her as much kind of um, intellect as possible and as much knowledge on everything from plants to to books to all sorts to give her that that chance that that she needed. And also the war strategy. Well, and that's mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. and that's the way they talk about. When they have the battle that her team wins with the information, finding the most important piece of information you can, I think the book does a really good job of showing that, like, that's why her strength is so important. And I think that's why her mom is so horrible, because she knows Violet's not just smart, right? Like, she's not just a good scribe. She's the guy's protege. She can recite history while walking across the world's scariest balance beam. She can just recite all these facts to people while they're in like, you know, their battle meetings and stuff. 
Yeah, and she's like, quick on her feet. She does it in seconds. She figures mm-hmm. she's oh, yes. this is what we need to do. Her knowledge she, is a threat to her mom. Yes. Like, 100%. And so I think that that's why she didn't want her to be a scribe is because eventually she would learn enough and be exposed to enough, have access to enough things that she would understand what was going on. And she, yeah. Violet says something, or actually it's another character says something about how like, oh, all those scribes think they're so smart and they can just ruin somebody by writing something down. And Violet's like, they have no idea how accurate that is. Mm-hmm. But it's true in her case, mm-hmm. right? Like if she had access to be the one writing those scrolls that go to their battle briefings and she would yeah. know what was up and what her mom was doing. And she's not I one like that. like Dane, like Dane the butthead, mm-hmm. um, who will always believe his commanding officers, will always follow the rules, no matter when the truth is right in front of him. And that scene where he did not believe Violet that the the one girl like was part of the attempt Amber. to try to yeah try to kill Ugh. her. Like I was so pissed at that scene. Like I'm like you got to be kidding me. And yeah. but then he also knew about like the venom and like this whole outside thing that the final battle of the book kind of revolved around. Dane knew all that, but because he is so like I don't brainwashed to be this like perfect little yeah. soldier guy. Self-absorbed. Yes. He never like, figure anything out. You know, he, he didn't he, credit. Oh, yeah. he drove me crazy. He had no idea what he was dealing with. And he just never thought she had anything going for her either. That's I'm just like, you sad, sad little man. Yeah. Like you don't even know like how brilliant she is. And you just keep, belittling her like i was glad that xander was sticking up to her at the end he's like get away from her quit talking to her like that yeah because Dane didn't, he didn't believe in her he like he saw yeah, her, her illness as as weakness her. where zane is yeah. like zane could see th- past her 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 illness and her condition and actually saw yeah. her for her 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 potential and what she was capable of her brilliance too he oh yeah brilliant and determined she was determined oh yeah because yeah, she got to that point I mean, she, where she's she like, was stubborn. Yeah, yeah. And she was stubborn. so stubborn, which really helped her. Yeah. Because she, she was determined to prove everyone wrong. We were talking in the before part <laughs> about how, like, <laughs> Thanks, she Steph. has so much personal growth. <laughs> but she has a lot of a lot of personal growth and, like, that her mom's ridicule kind of helps with that, right? Like, to give her something to prove. But I yeah. also think... That it wasn't just about proving herself, but it was also learning to be okay with herself. Like her accepting the saddle, mm. huge growth right there. To mm. like, oh yeah, be willing to take an accommodation, to be willing to look different or have a different setup than everybody else. Yeah. Like for her, that was really hard too. So I really liked like that piece of it, where it wasn't just about like her becoming what they thought she should have been. It was her becoming okay with who she really is. Yeah. Well, yeah I think it's kind of, her sister finds out she has a saddle. She just loses it. I think that's kind of, it's the equivalent of like somebody having a walking stick and having to accept that your, your condition, your disease is on show to everyone. Now it's not something that you can hide when somebody sees it. They know that there's a reason why you need it. Yeah. So I think that's what she had to accept that, that she was making kind of her own her own trials and her own kind of challenges 
public, but she needed to in order to, to progress and in order to kind of yeah. succeed um, as a dragon rider. Yeah, well, let's but, talk oh about God. the dragons. Can we talk about I was really happy that once you meet the little dragon, the little oh. golden dragon, I was like, they're going to give her the little dragon and the whole book's going to be about how like these two tiny things find each other and they win, <laughs> which would have been adorable. Don't get me wrong. No, I, I, love... I felt exactly the same way. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Keep going. I'm glad that she got the big scary dragon. I'm glad she got two dragons because yeah. all the rest of them riders needed to be taken down. Peg. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just, I loved the way it set her up and wasn't, the path you thought based on the information they gave you, yeah. right? Like it, it was unique in that way. And I really liked that. Yeah. And, and also I love that even, like, even the dragons had their own challenges. Like think about Andana, the little dragon. He couldn't keep up with the bigger dragon. He got tired easily. So they made adaptations. They made the cute little harness to go on the saddle, which is, oh my God, adorable. 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 So cute. Um, so again, you, you still had those little challenges and it, I almost felt like Andana was very similar to, to Violet in that he had his own challenges to overcome, but he was determined to be there for Violet to, to kind of be by, by their side as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I just had a little bit of problem with her having the biggest dragon and everybody was trying to kill her. I thought it was very cliche. I'm like, okay, now she's another target. But I did, I did love their relationship, her dragon and her. But yeah. I never, I still am wondering what we're going to do with this little dragon. Like, yeah. but me, the it little- felt like afterthought the little dragon seems very connected to violet's <laughs> signet with the with the lightning but because yeah, no. she violet was able can pull power from andarna which is what exhausts Madonna. on uh, you know exhausts that dragon mm-hmm. so i'm interested to see as violet really takes control of her her signet what that connection power wise is with Andarna. But I agree when she got like, you know, the massive dragon, it was just like, of course she did. Like, you know, that, that was, that was probably the, one of the most predictable things yeah, um, out of, out of the book. I mean, I he's like say- the biggest of the biggest of the biggest <laughs> and, and, of all time. And she's I did the littlest say- of the littlest of the littlest yeah. of all time. I mean, Steph probably won't like this because a little bit of, of romance, but I like the fact that the <laughs> big dragon, <laughs> that the big dragon, um, was bonded with, with Zayden's dragon. Mm-hmm. So I quite like that like idea. That. Mm-hmm. Now, Stephanie, okay. how do you feel about if Zayden dies, she dies, and if she dies, he dies? Well, like, I mean, can, can we preface this theory? first by saying that, Granted, we, we also discussed the fact that it could be because Steph is sleep deprived having finished this book. So she, and she has, she has had, she finished this book less than 12 hours ago and hasn't had time to process it. The coffee wasn't, or the caffeine wasn't kicking in yet, but she has admitted that she does not, she liked the book. But not to the degree that the three of us like the book. Yeah, well, she's not a romance so. reader either, so we have to give her that. But I'm I mean, her mind's made up. <laughs> I'm more of a romance reader now than I was a year ago. But I, 
guys, I always have so many thoughts. Wait, <laughs> Steph, was this, was this partly our, or was this partly our doing the fact you're into romance more because of Emily Henry? Yes. Oh yeah, man! Yes. I was glad. Yeah, I absolutely. Said that was our book. I'm like, when yes, you're gonna read my book? Yeah, <laughs> in fact, um, the Christmas book that we did last year, that horrible romance. I think oh, that was like one Kong? of the first ones I'd ever read. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was like my second romance ever. Did you say the horrible romance? It was. It wasn't the best. It was the best. Why was it horrible? Uh, well, compared to. <laughs> Emily Henry. Okay, right? but that, that's it's not book unfair. lovers. I'll tell you that. You can't, <laughs> you can't compare some unknown author no, right. with, really with Emily Henry because Emily Henry is like amazing. But this author, Sorry, they Sarah both Hagel. Amount of books. But yeah, some people. Now, I did like that Christmas book, even though I didn't get to share with you guys because my uh, mother-in-law was in the hospital. But I did think that one was cute. We won't go there. But Stephanie, go ahead about the um, <laughs> before we get so sidetracked. I love how off track we get. Okay, so, <laughs> two things. Like, wouldn't you be really upset? I'd be like, okay, now we got the weakest person in the room. I'm going to die if she dies. But no, because it's romantic, because they love each other. All right, Steph, Steph, this was your question, yeah, Steph. You need to answer this question. They didn't love each other yet. But also, it's not a proven theory. So, like, I don't necessarily think that if she dies, he dies, or the other way around. Because if I'm if I'm tracking you what I read at eleven o'clock at night last night, then she's connected to her dragon. If she dies, her dragon is going to be devastated, but won't die. Dragon is devastated, and hopefully, but maybe, right? They could die from heartbreak. Therefore, if their dragon's devastated or dies from heartbreak, then his mate will die and then Zayden will die. So I feel like that's a lot of ifs. Yeah. So I didn't really care about that. But I thought it was ridiculous that they kept talking about what are we going to do when I graduate or when you're a second year and we get stationed on the border because now we have to live our lives together. And I'm like, of course you have to live your lives together. You love each other. So this is actually perfect. What are you guys going to do? But they were, they were at that time. They didn't admit their feelings. They weren't kind of, but even when they had, and they were like, how is this going to work? It's perfect. You're in love. Your dragons are in love. You guys get to like just live your life forever. It's fine. Okay. He never admitted it. He Here, didn't say it. He, all right. Like, I, I, I have I have a romance comment. Okay. I'm not a huge romance reader either, but I definitely read way more than Steph does when it comes to like rom coms and things like that. There are reasons that I didn't like A Court of Thorns and Roses. Uh, so Liz is like, of Here course you're again. bringing this one up. Here, Here we, we go. go Here we go again. <laughs> so, and 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 Steph, I agree with the love scene, like the the spicy scene in Fourth Wing with Violet and Zayden. Like, I liked it. It was cute. But I'm one who's like, all right, do it. Let's move on. Let's let, let let's go. In real it life, these scenes ten, don't take ten hours. Ages. Like, you Whoa. know. <laughs> um, this this isn't how life works. Ten hours, but still, like down. How come they think they were Holly's love? I know. 
windows and <laughs> shatter things with lightning. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, 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 I do. I, I like a good spicy scene. I don't like dragged out spicy scenes that overpower the bol- like the main part of the plot. And I don't like like not for this one. This one I thought was okay. May you know, I, I blew through it. Didn't bother me. I moved on. I was glad that they finally got it got together. But it it becomes books like A Court of Thorns and Roses later in the series when it's like every other chapter there's a ten page sex scene. And I'm like, it, it becomes overdone and it begins to take away from things. Uh, I, I want yeah, that dark academia. I want the plot. I want the action. I like when the love is, is blended into it. And I felt this one did a good job of that. And, mm-hmm. um, and I know that was one of Steph's critiques. And I think for me, it was, it was done well and it didn't take away from anything. And, and I think that's why I kind of enjoyed it and was able to, to keep going with it. Had it been more like, you know, Akatar and they couldn't keep their hands off each other. And every five pages they were hopping in the sack. I would have issues with it. Steph, yeah, what do you want to say? And I feel it was exactly <laughs> like that because once they got together, every comment was like them flirting with their, you know, yeah. telepathy or whatever or it was like how can i be around it my entire self is on fire like that was my favorite part of the whole book except that last fighting scene i love romance and i do love enemies to to lovers that's my favorite you too yeah i love that tension and that angst but i wished it had been more balanced stephanie does have a point with how even when he takes her to he's not going to be able to make it to a healer, but he knows he's going to take her and everybody's arguing with him. And he has been holding the whole thing together, been professional. He's in charge. Everybody is important. It's like, I'm going, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It's only about her. It's only about her. I had a little bit of a, okay, that's a little bit of overkill because mm-hmm. he didn't care about anybody else. Even though he was fighting for everybody, it was like, I only care about her now. And I had a little bit of a, uh, you know, because again, it was all about them. Because there were other I mean, people mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that's true. Especially as obviously at the beginning of the book, he was very much a part of a part of his group, and he was yeah. like part of a strong family way. of the um, what's the name again? They're the the, the separatists. The, 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 yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're the kids yeah. of the um, traitors. That have like that out. rebellion, yeah. like yeah, that like relic see, or whatever. She went to ground. He's like. I don't care about anybody. I don't care if it's going to damage everything. He just took her because they're like, don't do it. Don't do it. I think that's really interesting too, because like he is so like by the book, by the book, like keeps up appearance. Like it's really important for him to like keep up appearances. But then at the same time you have like when he's fighting her and they're sparring on the mat and it's like, you know, basically making out in front of everybody. Like, he really does, like, lose a lot of himself mm-hmm. to how he behaves with her. Yeah. Which I get, like, that's part of the romance. But it didn't seem necessarily, like, natural for his character. I really feel like they're, the book had two very different tones, where it's, like, the first part of the book was this amazing dark academia, military college, like, awesomeness. And then at the end... Not the end, like that last, 
you know, 30% before you get to the final battle. Mm -hmm. That really felt more about like this very sexy YA love story that also had some dragons in it. Yes. And then you got to the end. I totally agree. It was battle-y again. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it really, I didn't, don't get me wrong, I didn't hate it. I really liked it. But it took me out of the story. It was distracting. And so, like, that for me is, like, what took it from, like, a five-star to a four-star for me. Hmm. See, I can see your point of view. I mean, I can see, even if you'd taken out the romance out of the story, it still would have been a really good read. It's It was a sort of story that it could have just been a straight fantasy, no, whatever they call it, fantasy romance. Um, but I, I can't deny I love a bit of romance. So. <laughs> I also I like, didn't I like know that romance, she was but... a romance writer. <laughs> she's been writing for a while. That. I don't know that they yeah. know her as a romance. This is what. Oh, yeah, me. she's won awards. Yeah, like, well, I heard that. Her romance been, writing. I've been reading for so oh, wow. long, I have never, ever, ever heard of her. I haven't heard of her either. This has put her on the map now. Everybody is yeah. going after these books. She and, has and 20 novels. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't That's it? Just crazy. one book, and she's become, like, this major... Everybody loves fantasy. Everybody loves yeah. fantasy since Sarah Mass. Like, it is just... And I am so tired of hearing about A Court of Thorn and Roses. I read it back in... <laughs> I read it back in 2008. Thank you. 2008 when it came out a million years ago, and it's like everybody just woke up, um, and it's not that good. But Thank you. <laughs> my twin sister loves it. It's the only thing she read. She won't read anything else. She won't talk about anything else. Nice. Um, and she compares it to everything else. Oh. Now, I, I can't even it. read the last two books. I'm like, I'm done. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay, slight tangent, but Holly, you said that you don't like having sex scenes every, like, every ten minutes in a book, but you love from Blood and Ash. And that is, like, so, sex after sex but, after sex. But, hmm. I think maybe I like the plot of From Blood and Ash better. <laughs> I like the storyline better. The... The, um, uh, I don't remember, like, some of the books, like, book three and four for me weren't all that great. Like, I enjoyed them. I probably felt mm. about those books the way that Seth felt about this one, where I really enjoyed them. They were really good, but I got a little dragged down and pulled down by them um, because there there did get to a point where there was just too much. There was just too many um Sex scenes. Sex scenes. It's just like, you know, again, I like a good sex scene. And, but again, I do just like any other structural element in a book. I think if there's too much of it, it becomes overdone and it just pulls away from the story. But I just happen to, I love the plot line of From Blood and Ash. I did not particularly, you know, be blown away. I wasn't blown away. Like I enjoyed the storyline of Mm. Court of Thorns and Roses. But I wasn't in, as invested in that storyline as I was with the other storyline. It's because you hated the main character. I you did. didn't it, like Farrah. 100%. <laughs> I, hated her. I hated her from page one. I loved Poppy from page one. I love Violet from page yeah. one. And oh, um, yeah. and we don't – and I'm kind of going to go back to, to it now. But we talked about her chronic illness. She um, – so Rebecca, the author, did a um, – 
an interview with um, with health. So it's on like health uh, health.com article because mm-hmm. Violet has a chronic illness and we don't see a lot of disabilities and chronic illness representation in especially in like in fantasy type books. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've read the series A Curse So Dark and Lonely. Yeah. Um, yep. I've read all of those books. I love mm-hmm. her books. So the main character in that book has, I think it's cerebral palsy, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, but she has a disability in that series. And that was the first fantasy series I read. And I've only so far read book one that had a, uh, somebody with a disability as the main character. This one Violet, we know, has a chronic condition because she's always getting hurt. She doesn't have mm-hmm. the physicality that she needs to be successful, but we we never hear what she has. Um, in the article on health.com, it, it, it's named. So Violet has what's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS, and apparently it is the same condition that Rebecca, the author, has. And so, you know it makes sense that the author is going to incorporate something that they, they relate to and they can connect to. But what this is, this is a chronic condition that affects the body's connectivity tissues, um, which then makes sense when you think about her injuries when she's fighting and just her inability to do certain things and her exhaustion when, you know, in carrying the bag to her mom's. So that is, that's the condition she have. She has, um, which, you know, I don't know if there's a question attached to that, but it's an interesting <laughs> piece of, of who she is and her character. I thought it was really good that that was one of the things that kind of, that was quite a big, um, I guess another unique factor. Because as you say, it's such a rarity. I mean, the only other, I've been trying to rack my brain. The only other character I can think of in a fantasy at the moment um, who kind of had a disability, but not a chronic illness, was um, in Six of Crows. Um, yeah, 100%. Because he had his, yeah. his walking stick. Um, and again, Lee Bardugo, if you've ever seen her, she mm-hmm. walks with a cane a yep. lot of times because she's got Emmy, MS? MS. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I read that book when it first came out. When did that book come out? Like 10 years ago? Something like that. Yeah, like I don't even remember that story. I know my husband loves, but I'm like I don't even remember it. <laughs> I love oh, Six of Crows. I love. 2015 was Six of Crows. Okay. Eight years ago. So eight years ago. I was close. Eight, ten. <laughs> <laughs> but but all That's a long well, time ago. Once you get past five, what does it really matter? I know, right? But it's yeah, like your age. I mean, once you hit thirty, does it really matter? <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the shocking ending. Was everybody absolutely, completely blown out of the water like everybody talks about? So Stephanie saw it coming. Um, I of thought it was super did. obvious. Oh, so of course you did. She thinks too much. I don't know necessarily. Are we, are we talking about Brennan's appearance at the very end? Yes. Uh, but he's alive. He's alive. I don't know necessarily that I I wasn't blown away. I don't know that it necessarily was something I was thinking about. Like, I, I wasn't like, oh, Brennan's going to be there. Brennan's going to be there. Brennan's going to be there. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I was thinking about him at all. But when he, yeah, but when he yeah. appeared, I was like, I wasn't surprised. Like, I'm like, that's a great twist. I appreciate that twist. But I wasn't blown out of the water and surprised, like, 
it was feasible. Like it made sense. Like I'm like, oh, should have seen that one coming, kind of thing. It just wasn't. I just wasn't even thinking about him. I think yeah. I think as, I'm roughly the same. I mean, as I wasn't like, oh my god, it's like whoa, uh, but I was surprised. I was like mildly surprised and kind of. It wasn't the ending I was I was expecting, and they put us on such a freaking cliffhanger <laughs> because yeah. actually uh, I'm pretty sure I was warned about this uh, that there was a, a cliffhanger and like it's going to be part of the way through. It's like, and then when I read, it, I was like, I'm so glad that it comes out in November and we don't have to wait for like years for the next one to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I thought was, oh, I'm definitely reading book two. I can't wait. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. This is going to be a great story. Definitely. That's what I thought. And I'm usually mad with cliffhangers, but I didn't really feel like it was the cliffhanger. Like we knew it wasn't over and we know where they're at. So it's not like you have to know tomorrow what's happening. I have to know tomorrow because I want to know what happened to Brennan over all these years. And how was he so successful? Because he, he, General Sorengale has no idea her son's alive, unless maybe she does. But, like, if she has no idea Brennan's alive, I want to know how he's been able to fly under the radar that nobody knows he's still alive. And then how are they so convincingly make it so everyone thought he was dead? Maybe he's been with the Separatists. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he has been. I think the whole thing was planned. Again, like Stephanie probably had all this figured out halfway through. (laughs) Because she, her mind, thinks like that. She's done all this Stephen King, and she's thinking about all these theories and what's happening next. My daughter, my oldest daughter, is like that, too. She's like, I was just wondering this and that. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Yes, Steph, I'm my professionally sure. investigative mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably get all of the, the whodunits right, don't you? You can predict who's, who's done it in a man history. I'm really good at Clue. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't typically tend to try and figure out, like, who did it or what's happening next. That's, I just might, I don't think like that when I read. Um, but... If some like if connections happen, it's like oh yeah, that's mm. probably it. Like this is off topic. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> but and never. And, I know. And stuff. I am sure one hundred percent that you've read this book because it's a kids' book, and I'm sure at some point you did it for for Obob. Um, but have you read the Westing game? No, I don't even know what that is. I haven't heard of it either. Okay, so the Westing game, and I want to say, I'd have to look it up to know for sure, but I believe the author is Ellen Raskin, something along those lines. It looks like Liz is looking it up right now. Um, yeah, Ellen, yeah, Ellen, uh, Ellen Raskin. Oh, look at that. So it's, 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 a, it's a kid's book. Like, I used to teach it when I taught, like, eighth grade. Like that, that age range, like the 14, 13, 14 year olds. Um, even as an adult, it's a fun, it's a fun book, but it is a, it's like clue. So that's why I'm like, oh, I'm sure Steph has read it because it really is about these, it's these people who have been brought into this apartment building, but very strategically by this person that they don't really know. And it's, they're all trying to figure out who did it to get the inheritance. Like there's, it's a, kind of like the inheritance game, just for kids and an, an older oh, book. That sounds awesome. awesome. But I there's just wrote it down. Yeah, and there's clues, and like the whole time as the reader, you're trying to figure out 
like who's who and like how does the guy die and how does everything fit together. It is a super super fun book, um, and so it's old. It is 1978. Mm-hmm. But it's so oh, good. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Thousand people have read it. How many? Two hundred and four thousand. Yeah. Well, all of my students for like people. four years read it, so yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they probably didn't mark that they read it. But yeah, uh, because again, and that's probably just adults because it is it's geared to a chill, like to 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 young mm-hmm. kids, like not young kids, but like again, mm-hmm. like the 13 year olds. Um, yeah, it because, says middle school. Yeah, middle grade. Yeah, so it's definitely check awesome. it out. Like I would once we read it, I would show the kids the movie Clue, um, because it's it's so it's 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 a clue based book. But okay, all right, back to this. I will check that out for sure. Okay, let me. I know like it think. when my my book life and my professional <laughs> life collide. It makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think oh, oh, one other like one other character I think we need to cover a little bit more is Zayden, just because I think out of all the characters, he is the the morally gray character in this. Like at the beginning, he's seen as the bad guy, dark, and then by the gray. end, <laughs> by the end, by he's the end, lovesick he's puppy, of... and he annoys everybody. Right, Steph? <laughs> That's right. Hundred <laughs> percent. I but really like so... him. Oh, he's just uh, swing worthy. I liked him a oh. lot, honestly. Like I was totally down for him to be the I guy. Say dark, dark gray, though. He's so good. He's such a great character. I mean, I'd say mid gray. But I just think he played his role great. Like he, from the very beginning, he he played the role as the bad guy, and he knew it. Like he knew what his role was, and he played it to a T. But yeah. he also knew because n- now looking back, you know, from day one when she made it across the parapet and immediately met him. He already knew who she was. He already know, yeah. knew who Brennan was. He already knew about the revolution. He already knew what her role was going to be. But yet, he like he was trying to like keep her safe and kind of protect her while continuing to make her hate him and to play his role. And I thought that's why I think at the beginning of the book and stuff, this is this is where I 100% agree because that first part of the book, part of the allure was the fact that their relationship was the way it was and he did completely uh-huh. switch a little bit because he no longer had kept that that bad guy facade once they connected on a, an emotional and physical level yeah i agree i think that he started like i will agree with you liz like he by the end of the book was more of a medium gray like he starts out like real charcoal mm-hmm. and yes yeah. like you get to like him more but even as a jerk, I liked his character. Like, oh, oh, yeah. 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 He was just, he kind of just had that, like. He was the sass. Yeah. It was like, like, he had the, it was his... the bad boyness without just yeah. being so grating that you hated him. Yeah. And I was, was, I was thing... good with that. Yeah. He kind of, for me, he reminded me of the Darkling. The whole kind of how he started off bad straight from the beginning. Well, straight from the beginning, but when you realized he was bad, you still liked him. Mhm. It's 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 the vibes. It's the kind of it's what how he gives it off. And I mean, if you think about it, at the end, so he starts off as we think he's the bad guy because we think government good, separatist bad. But by the end, I kind of feel like everything's grey by the end because is the government good or are they the bad guys? Right. Is separatist are separatists yeah. um, fighting for for good or evil? So I kind of feel like everything is great by the end. 
Yeah, there's a lot to be sorted out in the next one. And it's sort of giving me a divergence feel, too, because of all mm. the I did feel that through that because of all the characters and really the two main characters too had that divergent um, feel because everything is shifting and everybody, you know, we're going to see what everybody's made of. Um, And I do like every book. I have a problem with how old they are and what they're able to accomplish. That's the whole young adult but in this have. one, at least they're in their 20s. Like, she's 20s, Aiden's yeah. 23. Yeah. Whereas when you look at some of the other popular fantasies, <laughs> they're, like, 16, 17. And it's like, okay, yeah. Snow White. Like, you know. Yeah. There was a book I read. There was this author I love. But this guy kept getting hurt. And he couldn't even walk. But he could scale a wall. And I told my book friend, Sarah, I said, I'm done with her. These people cannot get injured and be 17 years old and scale a wall and kill five bad people and all that. I said, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> and I, I, did anyone read all three Divergent, Divergent series? Yep. Yeah. I yeah. hated the last book. Me too. Liz, did you love it? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh. My friend finished it before me, the same girl. And I said, I'm done. I said, how can somebody ruin a trilogy like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't even yeah. know, like, um, hmm. I, I think it's young I, to be ruling. Yeah. I liked book. I liked Divergent and I liked Insurgent. And yeah. when it comes to Hunger Games, I actually liked Catching Fire better than I liked Hunger Games. And Catching Fire is the best. It, at oh, 100%. Yeah. I would and I, to, to some degree, I think that I liked Insurgent in some ways better than Divergent. Um, I don't know if it's just the kind of book that the first book spends so much time trying to set up the problem in the, in the, in the environment that the second book actually now is like, here's the bulk of it. Um, that's the thing. I think, I think sometimes trilogies are either one of two ways. They're either first one is all action. Second book is kind of setting up for the third the big third finale or yet like you say you can have the first book is setting up for for what happens in the second book mm-hmm. so it's always i always find that it's either one or two which is the the better book well did you guys do you guys know how many books are in this series the fourth wing series is it only two there's five, five. There's wow. five. So I don't, you, the look on your faces, like I wish that I wish we were recording video of this because your faces are fantastic. Um, yeah. So uh, according, like five I was a lot. I know. So I did a bunch of research, and to be fair, we've got three years. Like we've got three years into graduation, don't we? Is it three years? I think it's isn't it. I thought it was is it three, three years? years. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so we we can have one one a year. Um, yeah, so they're, they're mad. <laughs> Staff, what are you doing to your cats? I told you they've been fighting for twelve hours. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> everything. Like, all right. Cats. Let me go back up on this. So obviously we know book two is coming out in November, and um, here we go. Um, yeah, so Iron Flame is coming out November 7th, and then the, yeah. this list just says Fourth Wing came out on May 2nd. Iron Flame's coming out November 3rd, or November 7th. And then it just says Book 3, Book 4, and Book 5 don't have release dates yet. Yeah. 
Oh, my goodness. I'm oh. shocked. And none of us knew that coming into this today except for... Mm-mm. Oh, and, and Liz, this kind of goes back to what we talked about in the first part of the, se- the season, or the this episode about um, Texas House Bill 900 and sexual ratings um, for further books. This, I'm, so the website I'm looking at is, it's called The Literary, Lifesti- the Literary Lifestyle. Um, so again, I don't know necessarily how true this all is. So maybe there's only going to be two books, but this says five books. So I'm going to go and hope with five. But yeah, this actually has good. a maturity rating listed here. It says fourth wing maturity rating, um, 18 plus based on graphic, sexual, and war themed content. Really? Um, that's mm-hmm. a, that's wrong. So, and then it says. I say YA. I would definitely say YA. So you kind of like. But I, I, I think that it's actually listed as an adult fantasy. Like I've seen that in mm, other places. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I because think they it's, say because of the mm, themes. I that think they it, say it's adult. Yeah. I yeah, think it's, it's not listed as YA. No, it's it's considered a. That's why it's not like on the New York Times bestseller list. It is on the New York Times bestseller one. list, not one of the subcategories of like young adult, because young adult has their own, um, and that's this one is not. Well, and you know, does anyone remember when Sarah Mass got blasted for saying she was young adult with all that pornography mm-hmm. writing? Well, that's what I used to say. I'm like, there's no way this is young adult. This is just straight porn. Yeah. I mean, it was awful for kids. Like, yeah. get them. I mean, that's misleading. Like, just own it. Right. Whatever you're writing, own it. Tell us what it is. To be fair, I just listened to a podcast where Stephen King says most of his books are young adult. Oh no! What? No. no yeah. No. He's like, yeah. He's like, I write, I write books that are, you know. About kids for kids, and I'm like, uh, it was definitely. Doesn't not young matter adults. if your characters are young adults; it doesn't mean your audience is. He is uh, so corrupted. His no. mind is so corrupted that children would have nightmares reading that. Young I children. mean, like, my knows. mom read it to me when I was, well, how eight, ten, eight, yeah. young. Like, yeah. He could have read the whole thing to you because and Holly's turned out yeah, absolutely fine. Turned, I um, am wonderful. <laughs> I have no issues. <laughs> I am well adjusted to life. All of the boys. He didn't say all his books, but he said he he definitely considers a lot of his books to be like YA wasn't really a thing when he was yeah. writing, like in his early career. But yeah, he's like, yeah, a lot of these are meant for like YA readers, and I just thought, whoa. No, now is he thinking no, YA no. because you know twenty twenty five year olds because they're young adults? But a lot of his books are like coming of age stories. True, they are. And so, I, I mean, I mean, Carrie, why prom, with prom killer thrown in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he never holds back on any, any twisted thing, like Mm-mm. um, what uh, Flynn, Jillian Flynn is another twisted writer that takes you. Every one of her books is so dark and twisted. Like dark places, sharp objects, and Gone Girl just go way out on a ledge where you get every detail. You get the slobber, the spit, the mm. dirt, the you can't stand the characters. Like I never like any of the females in her books. <laughs> One of them. Interesting. All right. They're so. Does anyone right. read? I think. Like she's really twisted. I've read Sharp Objects and Gone Girl, but I don't particularly like Girl. her writing. I yeah, watched the movie. Dark. It's very dark. Dark. Places. Gone Girl. Gone Girl. 
nothing like the that book. That movie is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like the book. Nothing. No. Yeah. All right. There's, there's two things I still want to talk about, and we're already pushing an hour. So I knew this would be long. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and unfortunately, the only reason we have to bring this back up is because we talked about it when I wasn't recording. Um, and that is that is Liam. Um, I know. I know. Grab your tissues, everybody. That was heartbreaking. <laughs> I know. Yes. It was heartbreaking the first time. It's going to be heartbreaking the second time. So yeah. Liam. So obviously I think we kind of all talked and we all agreed that in this type of book, in that scene, we knew someone was going to die. And, yeah. um, and I will say that when Jack Barlow died, I kind of was like, yeah, yeah. Finally. Is what yes. I was saying. Oh, he needed to die from the start. He really <laughs> yes. did. I think that's a really good, like <laughs> comparison though, to Zayden being like the bad guy and then Jack being the bad guy. Like, Jack can die from second one. Like, nobody yes. cares. That guy's the worst. Yeah. Yes. But Zayden, also still a really bad guy, but you don't get the same vibe, like, from the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's Jack, an interesting like, comparison. Jack had no no style. He was just a straight-up bully. He was just straight-out awful person. He had no – he wasn't kind of that sassy, kind of sarcastic, smarmy person. He was just literally a horrendous human being. He was he a one-dimensional, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't your typical gray character. He was just outright black and just really needed to. And then you have Dane, who you want to die because he's just so freaking annoying. Near the end, you're like, yeah. Zayden's really your best choice out of all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Liam shows up adorable. He is adorable. And how he acts when he goes in the book, the, the archives with her and. Oh, yeah. She's just so adorable and charming and funny. And, like, so much respected Zayden and, like, was, like, as her kind of, like, hey, Liam, watch out for her kind of protector kind of thing. But then, like, it was – which she did on purpose. I I believe she she made us love him knowing she was going to kill him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And it was just – and like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like it's different if someone like was just killed, like someone shot them and they died in a book. But we talked about the dra- the dragon's connections to the rider. So the fact that his dragon died, and that's what well, caused- he almost dies before, right? Doesn't he almost die again? Mm-hmm. Like he had a couple a- couple brushes with yeah, death. Couple, couple yeah. Yeah. But You're oh like, God. I thought he was out of the woods. Like, he almost died. We're done. Move on to someone else. Leave him alone is what I was thinking. And also, like, when, when the dragon died, you almost, like, you would say, I don't know about you guys, but I was thinking, please don't let that be true. Let there be a loophole. There's got to be a loophole. Yeah, well, I would say, let's get down there and let's fix this. Uh-huh. If we can just get him there. And, of course, that didn't, that fell through. She couldn't get him there. And that's when I was bawling. And then, of course, he's prom- promised me you'll take care of my sister. Oh, I was done then. Mm-hmm. I was all to pieces. And then, well, I, I wasn't completely done because then, you know, Xander shows up and picks him up and carries him like a child over to him. <laughs> it was so sad. It was so sad. I cried. Steph, have you managed to, to get over it yet? I mean, this is very fresh for you. <laughs> I don't think it was really sad. It really was. I did not cry. 
Um, right. But right. I was sadder about the dragon, to be honest. Like, not that I'm not sad about Liam, because I loved Liam. But, like, Liam dying was almost, like, a side effect. I mean, it was a side effect of they put you through the process of her dying, her getting mauled, her fighting the other dragon. So that part for me was so intense because it's like, is she going to be okay? She can be okay. She can be okay. And then she was not okay. And it was an almost like, oh, well, now we're going to lose Liam too. But like the heart, maybe it's like she fills that role of like the dog in the story that you don't want to get killed, right? Like the animals are always harder. Um, and I can totally see that. Dragons. Totally see that. Like it, it was the dragon. Her, like his dragon dying. I think yeah. is like that started me crying, and then just how emotional it was with Liam just added to it. But I completely agree with where you're coming from. Yeah. No, she writes a beautiful yeah. story though too. When with you know perfect moments, there was the reaction from their bond as they're dying. That just really drags you in and makes you say, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Liz says you're in denial. You're like, okay, they, they're going to fix this. They're going to fix this. This is going to be fixed, which is something that would happen. Oh, look at your sweet puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, which is something that happens even in real life. You're like, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, ugh. Ugh. Which just makes me worry that she's going to start killing off other people in future books. Because um, there's, no, there's a happen. bunch of characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters. And, and there's these nasty things like, they have to fight, too. I like, know. Oh. That was How can you fight something? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've got a long way to go to graduation. And yeah. they said that this is now the hardest part because they're going to have to actually go out and fight in real life. And now they see um, what's going on that they've all been being tried to kept being kept away from and they were yeah. this group was all sent to, to die they were sent to their death and they didn't die and now it's like do they know that they didn't die yeah and how are they going to come back from that because this exercise was a killing field yep yeah it's gonna i think they're going to tell the kingdom and the the school that they all died it's there's i don't think that they, they, heard, they that. have and to. then yeah, yeah, and she can't, she's not strong enough to keep a secret because if anybody touches her, it's, it, you're done. And she, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if we're, if we're going five books in on this story, <laughs> then this book two, she's in hiding the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they like, bring it down from the inside. Retraining, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think five. I think the second. I think this book is probably going to be a bit of a backstory about where Brennan's been and yeah. what he's been, what his part cool. in in all of this. I definitely think it's going to set the, set up the revolution, and that was a great segue because um, we talked a lot about it being similar to like the Hunger Games and things like that. And if you if you've read, it, you've all read it, but the very last line of the book is like perfect allusion to the hunger games and the very last line of the book is brennan just grins and opens his arms welcome to the revolution violet yeah and i mean you that's that's the exact same scene you see at the end of catching fire when katniss is like how dare you get like blah 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 and you know and he's like you were always mm. the, you know the one we had to save because you are the revolution the it's like and this is the rev- it like it literally this book ends mm. the same exact way that catching yeah. fire ended and we you know that illusion and that connection has really played throughout the entirety of the series 
All right. We're at, we're at an hour and three minutes in discussion. Should we move to our either or? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, if we must. I mean, technically, we're like an hour and 50 into this. So. <laughs> and still, That's we true. Just have so much to say. Well, we knew this one was going to be a long one. Yeah. It's okay. We've, I mean, me and Holly have only been on here for like three and a half hours. I know. <laughs> All right, Liz. Okay. Yeah, let's do this right. So, as always, uh, you guys know the, the drill, either or. Um, this one is all about about uh, full swing. So, let's do, uh, let's go Jen, Steph, Holly, me. So, are you guys, girls ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. Scri- <laughs> Scribe or Dragon Rider? Dragon Rider. Scribe. Scribe. Dragon Rider. <laughs> Which is scarier, parapets or gauntlet? Uh, gauntlet. Gauntlet. I think I'd be more terrified of the parapet. I gotta say gauntlet. Uh, lightning power or memory reading power? Oh, lightning. 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 Yeah, definitely lightning. What's more shocking, Liam's death or Brennan's appearance? We already know the answer to this one, but let's do this anyway. Yeah, more shocking, Liam's death or Brennan's appearance? Uh, Brennan's appearance. <laughs> Steph's like, neither of what we're shocking. I knew both of them. <laughs> Which do you neither think would be most shocking? Say <laughs> so skip Br- uh, Brennan. Um, I'm going to go with Liam's death. I didn't think he'd be mm, the one to yeah. die. I think I'm going with Liam's. Uh, Tan or Undonna? Say that again. Tan. Is it Tan? Is that how you pronounce it? I think it is. Tan or Undonna. The Basically, big dragon the big or the little dragon? dragon? The big dragon. <laughs> little dragon. Big dragon. I like his attitude. Me too. <sighs> I gotta get a little. I'm getting a little dragon. Uh, Bad boy or childhood sweetheart? Oh, bad boy. All day long. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, bad boy if it's these two characters. I, I, 100%. <laughs> I agree. Bad boy if it's these guys. Yeah, it's got to be a bad boy. Um, sassy and sarcastic or caring but overbearing? Mm, sassy and sarcastic. Sarcasm forever. Agreed. Sassy and sarcasm forever. I'd like yeah. throat punch someone throat if they were overbearing. I think that's how we why we all get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. We handle it. Yeah. Um, stay and defend or fly and fight? Fly and fight. Sure. Fly and fight. Peer pressure. Sure. Fear and flight. Fear, fly, fly and fight. Fear and flights, okay. okay uh, whatever. The apps. I'm going with the apps. Gonna go fly and fight. Um, die in battle or die running away. Die in battle. 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 Let's go with battle. 
Uh, and finally, study or fly. Fly. Study. Study. I'm going fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so scared I'd fly, fall and die. Fly sounds more exciting. I mean, I'm not enough studying. <laughs> Knowledge is power. That's what we've learned. That is true. But, but flying is fun and dangerous. <laughs> But if you study, then you can put yourself in a position to fly more safely. Uh, unless they just come up and kill you right at you, kill you. <laughs> That's when you already know how to poison them. That's right. <laughs> you can't poison somebody if you're flying so, already. So it's fly and die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Study oh. and fly and die. All right. Um, okay, so thank you, everyone, for listening. We know that this was a, one of our longer shows, but we appreciate you hanging in there, and hopefully you had fun like we did. Um, Jen, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm at Kindle uh, <laughs> all the way down. That was the toughest question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Okay. Um, Steph, what about you? I'm on Instagram at Books, Cats, Tacos. <sighs> It every single time. Uh, Liz, what about you? Let me see. It makes me think of tacos. I know, and I'm getting hungry. I'm ready um, for lunch. We were just talking about tacos before the call as well. We were. I'm going to Taco Bell for my birthday, hopefully. Yeah, her birthday's it's on September birthday. 1st, and she wants to go to oh. Taco Bell. Yeah. Just so you know, guys, if you don't know, she's, in, she's, in, in, she's in England, and they don't have they, a lot of Taco Bells in the area. Yeah, we don't have many Taco Bells around here. It's not as common as, as in America. I can walk to one. Oh. Well, I hope you can see that one. Um, I'll have Taco Bell for your birthday, too. That sounds great. I may have it for lunch today. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, video cool and, like, we'll have that guys together. Okay. There you go. All right, Liz, where are you at on okay. the internet? I am on Instagram, uh, Lizzie's Little Book Nook, and my website is lizzieslittlebooknook.co.uk. Awesome. And Holly, how about you? I am on Instagram at azdesert underscore bookworm, and my website is www.azdesertbookworm.com. Um, and now I've learned a lot about us, and I see why our shows take forever, because <laughs> <laughs> we we do not have an attention span very, very, very well, but it's fun, so who cares? So the tangents right. are the best part. And I mean, of course, so this isn't the last book club of the year. We do no. have... Uh, at least one more. And yep. the next one is going to be Verity Ooh. by Clean Hoover. Yeah, we and I... are going to finally uh, break the coho virginity, me and Holly. We're going to pop the cherry. <laughs> We're going to pop the coho cherry. Yep. Um, yeah, and that one is going to be in October, which is kind of weird because normally in October we do like a spooky, scary one. But maybe this will be spooky and scary for us because it's coho and, you know. Who knows? Uh, it's a good thriller. It oh. is. It's a good one. Okay. Well, so see, then it does fit. So there you go. Yeah, I think it does yeah. fit. That. It does definitely, because you're just wondering Maybe. what the going on in this book. <laughs> Maybe we'll see in another, like, scary episode in October. Yeah. You never know. You never know. We'll have to figure it out. But <laughs> we will be back on September 18th. We are going to be joined by author Peter Baker. Um, so we're super excited to um, hang out with him. We're, uh, we'll are we be talking about his book, Rain City Gothic, which is kind of a cool little vampire book. So we look forward to seeing you back then. Until then, I hope everyone picks up a good book.
Bye, everyone. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. Bye.